Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Wow. Three days and three nights. And then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. Now, folks, I know that we could probably theoretically have a debate. I know that virtually we could, we could debate this. Probably more on a technicality we could debate this. But I want to say virtually. You can't get much lower than a fish's belly. He was in a low place. But I'm going to preach just a little bit different this morning. God, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in here right now. Woo! I'm going to preach just a little bit different this morning. I love preaching the story of Jonah. It's one of my favorites. and I'm going to preach some of it today. But I'm going to preach to you right now. He knows where you are. <laughs> Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Thank you, God, for what we feel in this room right now. I feel your presence and your power. I feel your sweet spirit. Thank you, God, for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's gathered in this house today. Let the will of God be done. Let your church be edified. And, God, I want you to be glorified. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Could you put your Bibles down and clap unto the Lord with all your might? Thank you, Jesus. He deserves a high praise today. He deserves a high praise today. Lord bless you. May be seated. Now, more than anything, uh, the book of Jonah is about the formative spiritual process of a man that God had called to do great things. This is a phrase that we've got to get back to having a clear understanding about in the church. The formative spiritual process. That God has not completed the work in me just because he called me. The, the process has not been completed in me just because I'm saved. This is the new birth. That I repent of my sins. I am baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. And I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. But this has become, for so many, this has become the finish line when in actuality it is the starting line. It is the beginning of my walk with God. And this is not deep. I'm just... I just want you to walk with me. It is the beginning of my walk with God when I start to walk with God. 
Until the day that I submitted my will and my life to God, I didn't walk with God. But I have not become a professional because I start walking with God. I have a formative spiritual process that God is working on in me and through me every day of my life. I can't stop preaching this to you because it burns in my spirit. But I want you to know that just because I got saved doesn't mean I am saved. I'm telling you, this is contrary to a lot of theology that you get saved and that's all. That's it. You just you 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 repent of your sins, you get baptized in Jesus' name, get the Holy Ghost, and bada boom, you're done. Thank the Lord for that. Hey, I want to tell you something. Depending on when, where, and how, and all that you got baptized, I'm saying to you right now: if you got baptized on Sunday morning and God filled you with the Holy Ghost in the water, by the time you leave lunch, you need Him again. By the time you walk out of this church after your baptism and God filled you with the Holy Ghost, you need him again. You never have enough of him that you stop needing more of him. What I'm saying to you about the formative spiritual process of your life is that from the day he saves you until you are saved and you pass through heaven's gate, you're going to need him every day of your life. I don't care how long you've served the Lord or how spiritual you are. I've come to preach to you today. You need him. You need him. This is why so much of ministry, even in the church, is is developed out of an idea of what do we have to do to keep people saved. I know in the uh, almost 24 years that I've been pastoral ministry in this church that I spent a lot of my ministry reaching for people. If I could say it like this, I'm reaching for the ones that's already heard the teaching. We're doing a lot of maintenance in the church all the time. Because people get to the place where they don't feel like they need him like they used to. Oh, Lord. It's going to be a little tight in here for just a minute. I'm telling you, when somebody gets baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost, for the most part, it's hard to keep them out of the church. They wish you had church seven nights a week. But when everything gets all right, they think, they think they can do it without him. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've served the Lord all my life. I was baptized in Jesus' name at four years old, filled with the Holy Ghost at five years old, and I've never looked back. But I'm going to tell you today, I need him. I need him. I need him in the morning. I need him in the afternoon. I need him in the evening. I need him when I lay down. I need him when I get up. I need him while I'm at work. I need him while I'm preaching. I need him while I'm reaching. I I will never be to the place in my life until I see him face to face that I don't need him. And then it won't matter anymore because I'll be with him. So it, it is a story of the, the, the formative spiritual process of Jonah. Jonah was called of God to do great things. 
His calling was unique that God called him to go to what was perhaps, if not the single-handedly most powerful city in the world. It was certainly in the top three of the most powerful places in all the world when he called him and said, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. And you'll find this in the second verse of the first chapter. The way that God called him, it began with discomfort. He said, go to that great city and cry against it. He said, I'm calling you to one of the greatest superpowers of the world. And I'm telling you that before your feet hit the soil, that I'm calling you to cry against them and let them know that their sin has risen up before me. Their wickedness has come up before me. So let me get this straight, God. You're telling me to go to a place that has one of the most powerful kings in history, has some of the most powerful military in history, has some of the most wealthy people in the world, and you're calling me to go find a platform in a city of 600,000 plus people and say to them, God is angry with you. Now you're starting to realize why he was running. People don't run from God because they're afraid that God is going to fail. Oh, Lord. Jonah was running from God because he was afraid he was going to fail. I know you've heard me preach it a lot through the years. And I mentioned it again Friday night. I guess it's part of who I am. But we got a lot of people in the end time church that, that are, I like to call them apocalyptic heroes, you know. They talk about all they're going to do to stand for God in the end time. If we have to be here when the Antichrist comes, oh, Lord, if they ever hold a gun to my head, I'll never deny Christ. But we'll deny him for a paycheck. All I'm I'm saying to you today is we can pick Jonah to pieces and say, well, that dummy, he should have went where God told him to go, and he wouldn't have had to go through what he had to go through. Tell me one person in this room that hadn't done that. Come on, I'm not preaching at you right now. I'm telling you, there's not a man or a woman in this room that God hasn't asked you to do something that when he did, you were like, me? Like, is there somebody sitting behind me? It's like when my wife first started chasing me, man. She winked at me and I said, you're going to have to give me a few more years so I'm legal. She's only five years older than me. I want to tell you, it's a good, it's a good, good moment. When somebody that you've been wanting to recognize you recognizes you. And Jonah was in the place where the Lord turned to him and he was like, "Woo!" He said, that's the voice that I've been waiting to hear right there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Jonah said, "Woo! I finally heard the voice. He finally got the wink. And he looked over his shoulder and said, you talking to me? You're going to talk to me? And the voice said to him, hey, Jonah, 
Arise. Ooh, I like that part. I love it when the voice of the Lord comes and says, get up. That means he's about to do something. He said, but I want you to get up. And I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city. And I want you to cry out against them. And he sits back down. He was like, whoa. That's not what I thought you were coming to tell me what a great man I was. It, did, it wasn't like a long process. Verse 3, it said, Jonah got up, fled to Tarshish. That quick. God said, this is what I want you to do. And his human spirit said, there's no way. While it's easy to be critical of Bible characters, I want to tell you, if you're going to be critical of Jonah, you've got to be critical of your pastor too. And I know some of you have no problem with that. you got to be critical of me, too. Because I've had times in my life where the Lord said, I want you to do this. And I'm like, there ain't no way. It's impossible that it's ever going to get done. But all I'm saying to you, the, the whole reason I'm preaching this to you is that you never get so spiritual that you're not going to be in a battle with your flesh when God tries to do something in your life. Some of you are waiting for the day that you reach a certain age that it gets a little bit easier. Some of you are, are, are waiting on the day that you're going to get a little bit better of a job and you can afford to do the will of God. I'm telling you, if you don't make but $5 an hour, you have to be able to afford to do the will of God. I don't care if you're 10 years old or if you're 75 years old. There's never going to be a day that's easier to do the will of God than it is right now. And as long as you're doing the will of God, you're going to fight your own flesh. But you got to be willing to grab your flesh by the nap of the neck and say, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to seek the face of God and I'm going to touch the throne of God and I'm going to do the will of God. I wish I could tell you how many times I'd had the conversation in my lifetime with people and connected to this church and in this city when people say, someday I'm going to come back to the Lord. Someday I'm going to come to your church. Someday when I get my life right, I'm going to come to the house of God. You know what they're doing? They're fighting that old flesh element because they think when they finally break up with this guy or this guy leaves or this woman leaves their life and some things are going to get better. No, no, no. There's never going to be a time that it's easier to do the will of God than right now. You, you can't wait for the future. You can't wait for something to get better. and You can't wait for another house. Come on. There's going to come a day that it's going to be easier for me to do this. No, sir. you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps today and say that today is the day of salvation. Right now is the appointed time. If I'm going to live for God, I'm going to start today. If I'm going to do something for God, I'm going to start today. Let's start right now. Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. I want you to see this in, in Jonah 1 and 3. This is where the truth is told. He wasn't going to Tarshish because it was a great vacation spot. He went up to flee from, somebody help me now. He wasn't going to Tarshish because it was a great cruise port. He said, I want to go on the first boat that's going anywhere but Nineveh because I don't want to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, 
I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I got to pace it right here. But I'm telling you, God's going to do something in this room right now. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare thereof. You could preach this all day. You're going to pay whether you go where God wants you to go or whether you go where you want to go. You're still going to pay. You can be seated. Says it again. He went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish. I'm, I'm not leaving because Nineveh's not cool. I'm going because of what he told me to do in Nineveh. I don't want to go where his presence is leading me. Ladies and gentlemen, I've come to preach you on this Sunday morning. And I'm going to sound like a broken record for a little while here. But his presence is not going to call you to places of convenience. His presence is not going to call you to places that's easy for you to go. His presence is always going to take you to places where you feel that check. You're like, oh, my Lord. What's my family going to say about me? Now, I know, Brother St. Clair, if, 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 if I start coming there, if I, and man, I've heard it a thousand times. If I start coming there, Pastor, then when I do, I'll start dressing right. But I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. You, you do understand. That what you're feeling is not the desire to continue to dress the way and live the way and act the way and drink what you want and hang with who you want and go where you want to go. You're fleeing his presence. Am I making any sense? It, it has nothing to do with when I'm ready to stop drinking, I'll come. No, no, no. You are trying to drown out his presence. But you can't take enough pills to make his presence go away. Because when the pills and the effects thereof subside, there's still a voice saying, come. There's still a voice that's saying, follow me. God have mercy. When the, when the whiskey wears off, you got to get up and go find another bottle. There's always going to be another boat that's going somewhere else. But there's only one way to his presence. make you a promise this morning precious people of God that as long as the spirit of God is calling there's always going to be another boat at the dock taking you somewhere else oh I wish somebody would hear me this morning Woo! I've come to preach to you right now that there's always going to be another captain of another ship every day in your life saying hey come this way I'll give you a better fare than what it would cost you to go all the way to Nineveh. Oh, yeah, you, you ain't. It'll be cheaper if you go this way. That's a lie. I can promise you that the will of God will always, always be a better way to go. And I know it's old-fashioned, and this is just rhetoric to some people, but I'm going to preach to you the way that I was raised. Sin will cost you more than you ever
ever thought you would pay. And sin will take you further than you ever thought you would go. I'm here to preach to you this morning. Just walk on by that boat that's going away from the will of God and say, whatever I've done, it don't matter. Wherever I've been, it don't matter. I want to please God. And it starts today. If I, had, if I had the time today, I'd preach that one line. And he paid the fare thereof. I promise you one thing. What his receipt said when he paid the fare was not the total cost. I'm reaching in the Holy Ghost today, sir. And I'm here to tell you, you've been window shopping. Sister, I'm here to tell you today, you've been window shopping. And you think that the price tag tells the story. But you climb on that boat. God have mercy. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel something pushing me on this platform. I'm in the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to tell you, it's not worth it. Don't I don't care if you think you can afford it or not. If you're looking at it and you think you can afford it, I've come to tell you this morning. It's going to cost you way more than you can see with the eye. Best thing you can do, sir, is leave that woman alone and go home to your godly wife. I'm preaching to you right now. You may think you know the cost of that affair. And you may think you know the cost of that job. But I'm here to tell you right now that the price tag will never tell the whole story. You've got to do the will of God in your life. made his decision. Everybody say he made his decision. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. Now folks, this kind of preaching is tough. Because the people that don't want to receive it, they're not going to receive it. But you can blame the wind on God. Because the Lord sent the wind. Right? And you can say, why would God let bad things happen? But I want you to follow the logic of what I'm preaching to you right now. Jonah did what he wanted to do. And the Lord sent out a great wind. Now I'm going to mess with your theology right now. What if, now, just stay with me. All I'm saying is that if Jonah wouldn't have been on that boat that night, the wind wouldn't have affected him. I know we read the story and we say the Lord sent the wind to get Jonah's attention. Maybe not. Maybe. But all I know is if he wouldn't have been on the boat, if the wind would have blown anyway, it wouldn't have affected him. I'm here to work on your mind a little bit right now. I'm saying to you, some of the greatest storms of your life have come from where you are. That if you wouldn't have been there, if you wouldn't have walked that road, if you wouldn't have got on that boat, 
This is the formative spiritual process of who I am. Sometimes I can't understand the voice of God unless I've gone to a place that he has to teach me some lessons. All I'm saying is today, you can curse the wind if you want to, but thank God for the wind. It was the wind that got his attention. I'm going to pull this freight train all the way to the station this morning. But the Bible said that the wind was so mighty that the ship was like to be broken. Why would God break his ship? Why was he on the ship? Am I making any sense this morning? I just think that's awful that he had to go through what he went through. Hang on just one second. He wasn't supposed to be on that boat. Well, Pastor, you can't be that insensitive. Look, I'm going to tell you if I've, if I've learned anything, and this is hard for me because I'm a fixer, but if I've learned anything in my life and in ministry, I've learned people are going to do what people want to do. And, and, and in the place that I'm living right now, in the way that I pastor right now, I'm just being honest with you. I'm not the only one that feels this way. You can go ask any pastor you want to. Any more pastoral counseling is more about information than it is communication. You're, you're, you're coming to say, Pastor, this is what I've decided. Oh, Lord, this is going to be really tough preaching right here for me. <laughs> but when the wind comes... You young people are like, Brother Jordan, get the wind off me. I need you to pray this wind off of me. No. I didn't send the wind. I don't control. I don't control the wind. But I'll tell you what I will pray is while they're in the wind, I hope they can hear your voice. Am I helping anybody in here right now? All I'm saying to you is if God extracts you from the wind or takes the wind from you, you're going to Tarshish. And nothing has been fixed. You're still on the wrong boat. God fixed the wind so the boat don't break. No. Don't fix the wind. Oh, Lord. I wonder if there's anybody in here this morning that's willing to just say it in your heart. You don't, you don't have to say it out loud right now. But before I'm done, I wish somebody in here would, would say about your life or your family or your kids, God, don't, don't fix the wind. Don't, don't fix it. I'm not asking you to take it away. I'm asking you to teach them while the wind's blowing. Come on, somebody. I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to tell you who it was, but... I had a precious, precious lady tell me the other day, she said, Pastor, when I was away from God, she said, I'd be walking the streets of Indianapolis. And she said, I would look up, oh God. She said, I would look up downtown Indianapolis and I would see the sign that said St. Clair Avenue. She said, I'd hear the Lord say, it's time for you to come home. You hear me? 
What's the chances that you're going to try to run from God and God's going to make you look at your pastor's name every day? I'm not asking God to take away the wind. I'm asking God to open my ears. While the wind is blowing, let me listen. While the wind is blowing, let me hear your voice. I'm telling you, there's something happening. When the wind starts blowing, God is revealing some things. He don't need to fix the wind. He needs to fix me. Stay with me. I, I, don't, I don't have time to go all the way through the story. But verse 5 said the mariners were afraid. It was bad. It was bad. Somebody say it was bad. It was really bad. Verse 6, the shipmaster came to him. When the shipmaster came to him, he said, uh, what do you mean? He said, uh, would, would you call on your God? But I want you to notice this request. He said, arise. Call on your God. Do you remember what the Lord's commandment of him was? Arise. Can I just tell you how sad it is when shipmasters are having to get you to do the same thing God tried? Sometimes Egypt has to teach us lessons. Oh, you ain't here. He said, get up. Call on your God. Let him think on us so that we won't perish. Now I see. Now I see the wind is not just teaching Jonah. The wind is showing some other people who's in control. Because if you ask him and the storm goes away, we think we're going to see some answers. Now, verse 9, he said unto them, he said, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea. Why did he say it like that? Because that's where they were. He said, God made this that I'm in right now. And while some people are saying, get me out of here, he's saying, I know who made it. He said, God made the earth, and he made the sea. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. They said, then why have you done this? Listen, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, but young people, I want you to listen to me. God has a way of sending people in the darkest days of your life that don't even know God that will ask you hard questions. God will send you somebody in your lowest state that has an understanding of who you are and where you've been. I can't even begin to tell you how many stories I've seen in my life that somebody will be far away from God, middle of nowhere, and somebody will strike up a conversation with them and come to find out just what a coincidence. They're apostolic Pentecostal people standing there talking to a backslider. My wife and I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you the whole story and bore you, but my wife and I were on vacation. Matter of fact, it was the last vacation we took 
uh, when, we, when we came home, COVID had hit the land. There were five cases of COVID, 2019. We were on, we were on this uh, vacation. And me and my girls, if you were in class this morning, this is another reason why what I taught to you is important. But me and my girls were standing at this buffet getting ready to eat. And this man walked up to me that looked nothing like us. I'm talking about, you could tell he was there for the party. He walked up to, to me and he said, hey, bro. I'm like, holy smokes, he's a big dude. I hope he's cool. <laughs> I mean, like, how you doing? <laughs> he goes, hey, man. And I could tell. He was from Arkansas. I could tell. He said, hey, y'all Pentecostal? I said, yeah. He said, apostolic? I said, yeah. He said, like, UPC Pentecostal. I was like, yeah. Yeah. He said, I'm a backslider. My daddy's brother so-and-so, you may know him. I said, bro, I know your family. He said, I backslid out of my daddy's church. He said, I was 17 years old. And he said, I ran away from God. He said, I grew up playing the drums, church, musician. He said, man, I started hitting the bottle. I was 17 years old and I was an alcoholic. He said, I fled and ran to Nashville, Tennessee. Got me a job playing the country music scene. And of all the people that God's going to put you on a cruise ship with. Almost 50 years old and left the Lord at 17. But God's going to put you on a boat with some people that still love this old-fashioned way. And you're going to walk up to them and say, who are you and where are you from? Because God has been talking to me. What are you saying, Brother St. Clair? I'm going to say this, and I'm going to move on to my sermon. i got to get where I'm going. But I'm going to say this right now. And I don't care if you're in the room or if you're watching online. I'll say it to the camera right now. You run all you want to run. And you run as far as you want to run. But you can't outrun mercy. And you can't outrun the hand of God. And you can't outrun this message I'm preaching today. You run on, baby. You run as far as you can run. But in the middle of the night, on a bar stool somewhere, God will send somebody to remind you of his goodness what I'm saying to you is these men on the ship knew who he was he was the one that had forgotten he said I'm a Hebrew I'm a child of God they said then why did you do this Hearing what I'm saying to you today, precious people, you're, you belong to him and you're here? My uncle, Leon, my great uncle, we called him Uncle Tubby, Bishop's, Bishop Bingham's older brother. He went and fought in the war, went to France, had some hard times, started drinking pretty heavy. Came back home and all he knew was fighting. He was rough. Uncle Tubby just fought because he liked to fight. Back then, it was different back then. You could stomp somebody's tail and they'd get up and shake your hand. And he would literally go to the bar just to get drunk so he could fight somebody. And then they'd shake hands and hug necks. And he, he loved to fight. 
He lived in this little old town. This little town right outside of Dyersburg, Tennessee. My uncle Tubby, man, he was uh, he was addicted to some hard alcohol. I don't mean to sound crude, but we'd be standing outside of his house, and he'd say, I was young. I was probably 14, 15. He'd say, excuse me, buddy, I'm going to go over here and use the potty real quick. He'd go over and step behind his Lincoln. He'd lift the trunk up, act like he was standing back there for privacy to use the bathroom. He'd reach in and grab a bottle of liquor and take a few swigs, and he'd come back over there and talk to me. He said, my Uncle Tubby, he'd go to the bar. He'd get about as saturated as he could to stand on his own two feet. He'd stand up in that bar in a drunken stupor. He'd say, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift. And you got to believe that there were men in that room that look at him and say, Leon, then why are you here? But you know what I'm praying today? If you don't want me to pray it, then that's too bad. I'm going to tell you what I'm praying over every one of your kids that's got cold in their hearts. Over every one of your spouses that's got cold in their hearts and walked away. I'm praying God send them people that will make them miserable. I want you to send people that will make them miserable while they're drunk. I'm telling you, I'm praying today they won't be able to get drunk enough to forget how good God is. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. So the Bible said they cast lots, threw him overboard. And you're going to look at this how you want to. I heard it preached all my life. God was judging him. And God prepared this great fish. I mean, I've heard it all my life. And I don't, I don't disagree. But I, I want you to walk down this road with me, okay? Can, is that all right? Can I just take a little liberty right here? The Bible said that, that God created this great fish for Jonah. Are, are you with me? Like, don't get the concept in your mind that they threw Jonah out and Shamu happened to be there. For those of you that don't know the 1980s, Shamu was a killer well. And, and this is the way we look at some things. We're like, well, you served them right. They fell off that boat and they got swallowed up. Let me, let me paint mercy just a little different for you. God have mercy. I feel the Holy Ghost. It's what he gets. Dummy shouldn't have been there. If he wouldn't have been there, then the fish would have never swallowed him up. I get all that. I just preached. I understand. But I'm going to tell you what's more powerful than this. I don't know if you've ever been in the ocean or not. But Brother Sawyer, I was swimming in the ocean one day. It was so deep, there wasn't no way I could see the bottom. I was probably, I'm going to say 10 miles 
something like that off the coast of Key West. I was swimming in the ocean, and I crawled back over to the boat swimming. I reached up and grabbed the side of the boat. It was a lot easier then. I pulled myself up, threw my leg over the boat, and I was tired. I'd been swimming a while. I threw my leg over the top of the boat, and I crawled in, and when I turned around and my feet hit, and I leaned over on the balcony, a 12-foot tiger shark went, <laughs> It smelled really bad for the next few minutes. <laughs> Some of you will get that tomorrow. <laughs> All I'm saying to you, Lord, I hope you get what I'm preaching right now. Of all the things that could consume him in the sea. Are you hearing me? Of everything out there that could have destroyed him. Jesus. When he falls over. The Lord said, I'm going to create something. That may look like judgment to many. But it's about to swallow him up and be his protection until he hears my voice. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about God had GPS coordinates on that sucker. God knew the wind that was blowing and how hard it was blowing and how much the ship could take. And when they threw him over the side, the Lord said, I know right where he is. Watch this. Here it comes. Swallows him up. Whoa! Why are you judging me? Why am I in this judgment? Why am I here? Well, you're here because you chose this way. But you're in here because I'm protecting you from what's out there. You're in the belly of this thing that I created. And right outside there, Bubba, it's Jaws. Right outside there's a great white. Right outside there's a hammerhead. But what you're in right now, it may feel like judgment. But it's really my mercy. What you're in right now is my protection. Oh, God. God prepared that fish. God prepared it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? God prepared that for him. Where am I going? I'm falling into the deep. Yeah, but there's something prepared for you that not only is going to be the place that he speaks to you, but it's going to be the vehicle that takes you from where you are to the will of God. And what you do while you're in the middle of the belly of this thing is going to decide what God does with you when he spits you out. But listen, the thing that he's got you in is either going to save you or consume you. I don't have time to go into all the details, but it'll freak you out if you look at all the acids and things that are in, in, in the stomachs of whales. And scientists, have, they've, 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 you know, of course, they've disproved it all because they've got it all figured out. And they were like, you know, this can't even be true because if a man was really in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights, this is the chemical compound of the acid that's in a whale's stomach. And in three days, he would have been consumed. And he'd already been bones and he'd have been fecal matter and he would have been. I don't, I don't think you understand. Because while you're trying to figure out the acid content of the stomach, all I'm saying to you is God prepared that for him. 
Well, what if he's consumed while he's in there? Then he's going to have to tell God no again. I'm not saying everybody survives the whale. But I am saying that if they, if they don't survive the whale, it's going to be because they tell God no again. The Bible said that he lifted up his voice. He said, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. And that same fish that God prepared for him while he was praying starts moving towards the shores of Nineveh. He was still in a conversation with God. But what he did not know is that when God makes this whale sick because he prepared it, when he vomits you out, you're going to be right where I told you to go. I'm here to reach for somebody this morning, and I'm going to tell you, you can do this one of two ways. You can do it God's way, or you can do it your way. But one way or the other, the will of God is going to be done. And all I'm saying is, some of you have kids today that are in terrible places, and you're saying, God, get them out, get them out, get them out, get them out. I'm saying, no, let them be there, because if they'll tell God yes, I believe that God can bring them right to the shore of their destiny. And I believe that God can awaken... Stand, stand, stand. I got to finish. I'm done. Of all the things that could have consumed him in his backslidden state of mind, God said, watch me prepare the thing that's going to keep him. I'm saying to you today, whether you're the backslider or you're the one that's praying for a backslider, I've come with one simple little sermon today. I'm talking about simple sermon. I've come to preach to you today. He knows where you are. He didn't forget where you were when you went in the belly of that thing. He knows where you are. And his ear is inclined that when you wake up or when they wake up or when whoever's watching this finally wakes up, they're going to say, God, you were right. Now, I could have preached this in such a way right now that we were dancing and shouting and doing backflips because I love the story that he goes to Nineveh and he preaches. Thank God for that. But I'm preaching about that time in between his decision and the will of God being done. God knew where he was. Between the time that he was called and his calling was fulfilled, God knew. You may be in this house today in an indecisive state of mind. I just don't know. I, I look at this apostolic way, but I think it's just a little more than I want to pay. Well, listen, let me just tell you. You can pay this fare or you can pay that fare. But at the end of the day, I don't believe there's ever going to be anybody that stands before the Lord and said, that cost me too much. But I've never had a backslider come back home that was content with what they had to pay while they were gone. Never. 
I've never, I'm honest before God, and somebody may do it out of spite now, but I've never had a backslider come to me, Elvis, and say, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I just kind of missed church. They usually come back and say something like this. I never dreamed that I'd go that far. I never dreamed I'd be that lost. I never dreamed I'd be that confused. But for all of you in here today that are preaching for the confused ones, let me just encourage you on this Sunday morning. He knows right where they are. And he knows just what to send at just the right time. And if you're in this house this morning and you're running from God, I can tell you, I don't know when God's going to wash his hands and when he's going to be done. But I do know this. If the life you're living right now, if you don't choose God, what you're in right now will consume you. There's only two ways this is going to end, Sister Donna, for them. They're, they're going to trust God or they're going to be lost without God. I wish there was an in-between but I'm here to preach to you as simple as I can today you're either saved or you're not you're either in or you're out come on it's either heaven or hell there's no in-between but wherever you are right now you may not even know where you are you may not even be able to decide where you are but God knows where you are raise your hands and surrender God's going to use that thing to bring you to your destiny I don't think Jonah deserved to preach to Nineveh after he disobeyed God well that's your problem because God said the calling that I put on him was as good when he came out as it was when he went in and I'm here to tell you today I don't care how far you've ran from God and how many nights you've been in the belly of that thing God is not finished with you. How do you know that, Pastor? Because you're still breathing. I guess I'm going to have to give an altar call today. I was really praying and hoping this morning that somebody would just hear what I'm saying. But these altars are wide open. I know some people look at the story of Jonah and say the judgment of God is what moved him to his destiny. I'm sorry, I just don't see that. Because if it would have been the judgment of God, he would have never made it to Nineveh. It wasn't the judgment of God. It was the mercy of God. And so I'm saying to you today, if you're still here, it's because you're in his mercy. If you're still alive today, it's because he's still good. If you're alive today, it's because he still believes in you.